The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Um, typically, I would say we're going to be in Luke 9 or, you know, Peter or James or whatever. And like, because today's an overview, it's a little different. And I'll refer to certain verses. But as a review of this whole series, we're going to be in a bunch of different places. But let me start with this. In talking about discipleship, it starts with what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write that down. And a great habit is after a Sunday message, take a few notes, review it later in the week, review it later today, consider how it applies to your life. But Jesus said this to the disciples, go make disciples. And when he used that word disciple, it's the word way back two months ago when we started this series, that word methetes. And and the word methetes is actually, the the definition is follower. And in a lot of ways, we can look at follower and we kind of think easily the social media version of follower. We like, we comment, we subscribe, we see posts, we go, that's great, that's neat, that's swell, but nothing necessarily changes about our lives. But when Jesus said, go make disciples, go make followers of him, he was talking about individuals that were sold out to a certain cause. And in particular, the word disciple, the word methetes is actually individuals who use the mental effort to think something through. So our series started with this. There is a God who cares so much about all of mankind, and yes, across the globe, but cares specifically about you enough that Jesus would pay the price to deal with the problem that we would say is sin. Sin separates us from a holy God, but God's love wouldn't allow us to be left in sin, so Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for our sin. If you ever ask anybody if there's an eternity, if there's a heaven, how do we get there? Oftentimes you hear a random person typically say, I've been a pretty good person. That's not even close to the right answer to the equation. We can't earn our way to heaven. It comes down to what God did in his great love for you and me, that Jesus would go to the cross to pay the price for your sin. And so it's you taking the mental effort to think through God's great love for you that would send Jesus to the cross, that you can be forgiven of all of your sin and be connected to a savior who loves you that much that you can have security now and into eternity because of what he did for you. Mathiti thinking through that message and surrendering yourself, which then is part two. Yep, I'm gonna go fast. I'm gonna say a lot. I've been off for a few weeks. Bear with me. You wanted to clap, I'm not gonna let you. So let's keep going. Anyways, that was part one. It's that whole idea of have you taken the mental effort to think through God's great love for you in Christ and what he's done so that you can find forgiveness and be reconciled to this God who cares so much, which then leads you to part two, and that is surrender. Everybody say the word surrender. Surrender. By the way, if you're online right now and you're watching, you can just type in the word surrender real quick, and I'm sure somebody will comment on that. Anyways, let's keep going. Part two is surrender. When you think through the message I just talked about and that Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for our sin, death, burial, and resurrection, which by the way is coming in just a few weeks. We're gonna have an incredible weekend, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. It's gonna be fun to celebrate God's love for us through the resurrection of Christ. But it brings us to a place of surrender. That's where I mentioned in Luke chapter nine, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my follower that thinks things through, they must, and this is what Jesus said, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Now, keep in mind, this is before Jesus went to the cross. So when Jesus brings up the word cross, don't hear it as in the cross, what Jesus did. This was a Roman torture device. 
Crucifixion was not something only Jesus did or Jesus and a couple of guys on either side if you heard the stories in the Bible or whatever else. This is, this is a Roman torture tool that caused incredible suffering. And so Jesus says, look, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, then you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. It comes down to you and I living in that place of surrender. God, I surrender my life to you because of what you've done for me in the love you have. Does that make sense? So then we moved it to part three. It came down to surrender, but the idea of surrender is not a one and done. Surrender is not a one-time event and that's it. When it comes down to surrender, what Jesus was talking about here is that surrender is, yes, a moment where you say, God, I believe in what you've done for me so I can be forgiven. So please, God, forgive me my sin, come into my life. But what many of us have realized is that's an everyday thing. Is anybody with me in that conversation? right? So let me just ask this. How many of you would say you've been following Jesus for five years or less? Five years or less. I know you're going to more. Five years or less. Okay. A few hands in here. How many of you following Jesus for five years or more? Raise your hands. Okay. A lot of hands. How many of you 10 years or more? Keep your hands up. Okay. 15 years or more. Longer than 20 years. Okay. A few less hands. Okay. Longer than 25 years. 30 years. 30 years. 31 years. 34. No, just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I, that's my attempt at being an auctioneer. Okay, how many have been following Jesus for like 35 years or more? Okay, 40 years or more. My hand's down, by the way. My hand is, so. Mine's 30. My 30th birthday in Jesus is this, this Mar, uh, May. Anyway, okay, 35, 40 years. Longer than 40. Longer than 45 years. Still a lot of hands. Awesome. Longer than 50 years. 55 years. Longer than 60 years. Still, some, I know, some, I've been here a long time, okay. How many of you, the 1700s, you were, okay, I'm just kidding, I'm just joking, I'm kidding, I'm just joking. How many have wooden teeth? And, okay, okay, where were we at? 50, 60, 65, anybody longer than 65 years? Okay, a couple, 70 years? Somebody's doing this, don't do that, that's, come on. Okay, longer than 75 years. Okay, I think we got a winner. Oh, we got two hands still, 76 years. 77 years, 77 years. Come on. Oh, wait, wait, more. That... Joy, Joy Hagelin in the back, I think, is the last hand up, and it's, gosh, more than 76 years. That's awesome. I love that. The reason, the reason I say that, though, is because for many of us, that if you've been in Christ for a certain length of time, what you realize is it's not a one and done. On one hand, it's that moment where we say, Jesus, come into my life, but it becomes an everyday exercise. And so for you and I, surrender is a lifelong pursuit. And when we talk about this lifelong pursuit, what we realize is even for Joy, who I love dearly, Joy's been following Jesus for decade after decade after decade. Even she's realized that, that many of us, we, we don't get to a point where we've arrived. There's never a point where we're like, hey, I'm good to go. Everything's as it should be, Right. I mean, and the beauty of it is when we get to that point, then, then humility has eluded us, so there's more work to do, right? Man, I'm the most humble person you've ever met. Like, well, more work to do, right? So it's that thing where it's a lifelong pursuit. It's a lifelong journey of surrender. And when Jesus brings it up, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. 
It's an everyday pursuit that is a lifelong endeavor. It never ends. It's putting, when we look at the New Testament, it's putting what, what Paul had to say, what Peter and John and Luke and, and James and the writer of Hebrews, it's what these individuals had to say. Because that's where you get to part four in this, this message series. It's considering how we're transformed by living in step with the scriptures and the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's, it's why I talk very often, if you've been part of the Grove Church for any length of time, I talk regularly about being a daily reader of scripture. We need to read scripture and let scripture read us. It's taking on that habit because there's something about filtering our lives through who God is in Christ, what, what he's given us in what we call the Bible. And there's nothing wrong with saying the, the Bible. This is, this is the Bible. This is the word of God. That's great. But take a step back and go, where did it come from? What is it? In the New Testament, the New Covenant, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is what we call the Gospels. Gospel means good news. The good news is about what Jesus did. So what you hear about is the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph and a manger and a baby born and this crazy miracle. And then this baby grows up and begins to teach and perform miracles and, and blind eyes are open and lame people are walking and, and food is multiplying. And they're going, who is this person? And Jesus over and over is hinting at, this is something big. In fact, he says, he uses these phrases, something, uh, somebody better than Moses is here. Somebody greater than Moses. Someone greater than the temple is here. And for many of us, we go, I don't, a big deal. But that was a big deal in Jesus' day. What we're getting at in the gospels is about the life of Christ. And again, his, his life, but then his crucifixion and burial and then resurrection. And then you get to Acts. And does anybody know who wrote Acts? Luke. If you've ever heard the gospel of Luke, it's the same person. He wrote it to a guy named Theophilus because he cared so much about Theophilus understanding why faith mattered so much. So when you open Luke, it, it talks about Theophilus. When you open Acts, it talks about Theophilus. And he was writing about the activity of the first century church, the first leadership in church world and what they did. And you'll read about them traveling in short all around the Mediterranean and, and planting churches. And, and at that point, Paul, who was Saul, was a persecutor of the church until Jesus appears to him and he repents and becomes a speaker for, for Christ. And he goes around and they plant churches all over the Mediterranean. And they, then he writes letters to all these different churches. Hey, I care about you, church in Rome. Here's some things I hear that's going on. I can't wait to come visit you. Be aware of who Jesus is. This is why this matters. To the church in Corinth, hey, you guys are a party church. You guys got all kinds of things wrong. Quit getting drunk on communion. That was one of their problems. Quit getting drunk on communion. Quit treating each other badly. Be aware of these sexual relations because those are really weird and wrong. And over and over, he's right. I said, it's the party church. The church in Philippi, hey, you guys, man, you guys bring such joy in my life. Be filled with joy. Rejoice in the Lord. So when you say New Testament, when you say Bible, that's great. But to, to take a step back and understand what it is, it's, it's early church leaders writing letters to the church about how they should live. And that still applies to you and I today. So as you and I live in surrender, it's a lifelong pursuit of surrender and following Jesus, but it's looking at and measuring our lives by the scriptures. How does our life line up? And when we begin the journey, if you're like me, I didn't know almost anything. 
I gave my life to faith in Christ because I believed in the message of Christ. I got baptized, still didn't know anything, nothing changed about my life. And then I took on the reading of scripture and, and study of scripture and being a part of gatherings like this and took notes and prayed, all that stuff. And little by little, transformation took place. Anybody else want to admit that's part of your journey? Yeah, all of us. That's part of our journey of going, oh, wow, I didn't know gossip was wrong. Probably should stop doing that. Oh, I didn't know I probably shouldn't steal from my work. Probably should stop doing that. Oh, I, I mean, there's all kinds of things. When you read scripture and then you let scripture read you, God goes, hey, your attitude towards your unforgiveness, deal with that. Your bitterness, deal with that. Your anger, deal with that. Those sexual relationships that are not okay, deal with that. Your drunkenness and addiction, deal with that. Over and over, and it's not a list of, hey, don't do this, don't do this, be aware. It's going, hey, look, this is not helping you love God and love people. That addiction, that problem, that issue, that, that thing you're doing, that habit, that attitude is not helping you love people. And so Paul and James and John and Peter and others were writing to the church then, but to you and I today, in what we now call the Bible, these things that say, hey, this stuff doesn't, isn't fitting. And especially at the party church, they were saying, hey, if we sin more and we're forgiven, doesn't that show God's grace even more? That's awesome. And Paul's like, knock it off. That's not right. And so over and over, as, as you read, it's that, it's that picture of transformation by living in step with Scripture and the Spirit of Christ. And then in part five, it's not just this view of your relationship with God. You could say kind of vertical. It's important. It's huge. But what happens is our lives, more than anything, become about sin avoidance. And so what we do is we focus on the sin avoidance, I shouldn't say, and it's not that sin avoidance is, is, is terrible, but when that becomes the epitome of our, of our faith in Christ, then, then it doesn't necessarily matter how we exist with other people as much. And, and what we have to read about, and when you look at scripture, it's this idea of being action-oriented, meaning you and I are representatives of Christ. That's where in part five we talked about when you and I leave this room, we can come and check the box and do something spiritual and feel good. But it's about how when you leave here, how do you treat your neighbor today when you drive by and pull into your garage? How do you treat the people that live above you in your apartment or, or go, you go to work with? How do you, what, what, what do you do around them? We're action-oriented people and we rep Jesus wherever we go on vacation. When you go to the grocery store, when you navigate your gym, when you hang out with your friends you grew up with or you're just getting to know, how about in your marriage? How about in what we call your nuclear family, your kids, you live with them? It changes how you exist around everyone else because we're action-oriented representatives or ambassadors of Christ. That's what we're called to be. Bless you. In 2 Corinthians 5, if you're taking notes, 19 and 20, God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade others. And so it's that place of surrender, not as a one-time, but a lifelong pursuit. It's being transformed as we filter our lives through Scripture and the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's realizing everywhere we go, we're action-oriented. How can I be a doer of the word? James 1.22, write that down. Don't, me, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Action-oriented, making a difference in the lives of other people. 
which leads to then in turn making disciples. When Jesus said, go make disciples, he wasn't just talking to church leadership. The reminder, the burden for all of us is that if you consider yourself a follower of Christ, if you consider yourself a disciple, then guess what? Disciples make disciples. Everybody say that. Disciples make disciples. The burden is not just, well, Nick, didn't you go to school for this? Didn't you get a degree in ministry? And so you're the professional disciple maker? But that's a misunderstanding of what these guys are talking about. What Jesus even said. The burden is on all of us to help people consider taking the mental effort to think through why Jesus should matter to them. And that's not just on me, it's on you. It's on all of us. We are supposed to be disciples that make disciples. And so yes, action-oriented. Yes, our ability to love others well, but also our responsibility to give a reason at any moment for the hope that we have in Christ. And if there's some tension there, maybe it means you need to work through, if someone were to ask you, why do you go to church? What's church world mean? Why are you religious? People say it all kinds of ways. Why'd you get religion? You know, whatever. Do you know what you would say? Do you even know where to respond? And again, if there's tension there, there's work to be done because at some point, and we're gonna get to this in a moment, at some point, the Holy Spirit is setting you up for something, but it means you being ready to explain it when that moment comes. You being ready to say it when that moment comes because God's gonna give you those opportunities. That's what he does, and we're getting to that. So we're, we're disciples who make disciples. The question, how are you helping others think things through? And then yes, part seven, that we don't do this alone. And a couple of weeks ago, my wife did a great job walking us through the fact that when you and I surrender, the Bible says that you and I, the writers of scripture say that you and I have invited God into our world in a way the Holy Spirit empowers us. We're, we're, we're given the Holy Spirit to help us have a greater discernment, to guide us away from those things that, that, that damage our ability to shine light, that damage our ability to be connected to our Heavenly Father and, and leads us and sets things up for us that that's where miracles happen. That's where God is going before us that we have the Holy Spirit. You are not alone. Jesus said in, in, in one, he said, um, uh, go make disciples before that. And this is what Heather said a couple of weeks ago. Jesus said, all authority under heaven has been given to me. That's how he started that conversation. So what he's saying is, I have all of this authority and now I'm imparting this authority to you. And as I impart this authority to you through the Holy Spirit, go with the Holy Spirit and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And by the way, let me remind you once again, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus is saying, you have my spirit that goes with you, that goes before you, that empowers you to be my witness. I'm setting things up that if you watch what I'm doing, if you're aware of my work in your life, you'll be amazed at the miracles that are gonna happen. Did you know that there's a, there's a, a, a letter in the New Testament called Philemon? It doesn't even have chapters because it's so short. It's one chapter. So all there are is verses. And did you know that in verse six, it says, I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith 
so that you experience the full measure of who you are in Christ? Do you know what that means? It means that if you and I aren't sharing our faith, we're missing out on a portion of our journey in Christ that we'll never understand otherwise. What a a shame that would be. And so it's believing that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit that's going before us to open certain doors to conversation and opportunity for certain light to shine in certain areas. That when we walk those things out, it's so fun to see. It just happened this last week. I have an environment on Tuesday. It's called The Neighborhood. How many of you serve at The Neighborhood? Yeah, a bunch of you. I appreciate a ton the fact that you guys serve at The Neighborhood. What is it? On Tuesday nights from 6 to 7.15, not on this campus, but off-site, we have an environment called The Neighborhood. It's, just a, it's a dinner. And we offer it to people in our community free of charge because there are people that would never come into a church facility like this. They just won't. And so we're like, how do we open another place where people can gather and hear about God's love? And so that's what we do. They put together an incredible meal and volunteers making this happen. But last week, there was two different individuals that showed up completely separate from each other, but showed up in the same room and went, oh, that, that's my relative. And I can't remember the exact connection, but they hadn't seen each other for two years or more than that. More than that. And all of a sudden, they're in the same room. You think that was just a coincidence? I think God sets that up. There are all kinds of ways that God goes before you that when the door opens for you and I to, to, to share the light of Christ, to let people see who Christ is through us, that, that, that we go, only God could do that. Only God can set that up. And that's the fun of the journey. I go back to old school faith in Christ. I, like I said, I've been in Jesus for almost 30 years now. It was Stephen Curtis Chapman back in the day. Anybody remember? Which, by the way, anybody like to throw back worship today? I'm like, hey, dude, I remember some of these. I'll purify my heart. You know, like, I remember that. I remember that jam back when I was in my, you know, early 20s. And then what was the last one? It was, uh, yeah, turn your eyes. Come on, man. That's my jam. That's a two-hand jam there. But Stephen Curtis Chapman, I remember one of my favorite songs as a brand new believer in Christ was This is a Great Adventure. I'm not going to sing it. There's an over-under that happens every week on how many times I'll sing, just so you know. So I'm done. Not singing anymore. This is a great... Ad- okay, so... But, but I remember that song as a brand new believer in Christ. I'm going, that's our lives, you guys. It's an adventure. It's meant to be fun. There's something enjoyable about walking this out that when the light bulbs come on for certain people, when you're having conversations. I had a conversation with a neighbor not too long ago, and God's been working his heart and doing some things in him, and he literally signed up to get baptized this coming June already. He's like, the light came on. It's so fun to see people on this journey and conversations you're able to have and prayers you're able to pray in certain moments where God opens doors. And now I'm going to be crying on a Sunday in June with someone who's going to get baptized. We're going, only God could do that. It's an adventure. It's fun. It's incredible. It's humbling. And so we we don't do this alone. We're doing it with the spirit of Jesus compelling us. But then last week, Aaron said this. We got to make sure that our motivation is love. That our motive at the end of the day is actually love for God and people. Because here's what can happen. Well, I better do it because the pastor said I better do it. And that's supposed to be some spiritual thing. So I guess I better do it. That's not the reason. Or I I do this and it will make me look good. I'll have a story to tell. And so how awesome is that? Wow, look at how I'm going to look in front of people. And that's where when Paul was writing to the party church, Corinth, In chapter 12, he talks about here's the gifts that that the church has been given. And he talks about all these different gifts the church has in leadership and prophecy and all this different stuff. And then he he takes a time out from all these gifts in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. 
And he says, and now I want to show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and prophesy all this stuff, but have not love, I am nothing. If I surrender my body to the flesh, if I do all these great exploits in Jesus' name, but without the love that comes behind it, then it's for naught. See, we read 1 Corinthians 13, and it sounds amazing in a wedding ceremony. And I've read it, I can't count how many times in a wedding ceremony. But the context of, of 1 Corinthians 13, use it at a wedding, great, be challenged by it. But realize what Paul is saying to the party church is you want to party and have all this fun, be aware that there's all kinds of traps there. Because God has given the church to operate like this, and there's leadership and generosity and serving and teaching and prophecy and tongue, all this stuff. But, but listen, those are great things, but if they don't come out of love, it's worthless. It's, it's for naught. And so to walk in love is what really matters. And by the way, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now these three remain. Faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is love. Let me rewind just for a second. That's the whole series in a nutshell. But the reason we would even do a recap like this is because it's my deep concern that somehow we can get this more right than we have the last bunch of years. And I don't just like you and me and us and here, but I mean as a church that's part of the church worldwide. That it's real easy to miss it and make it about circling the wagons. Make it about demanding our rights. Make it about all kinds of speeches and ways that we debate on social media that isn't shining light. And it's a warning. And so honestly, I don't mean to overplay this, but with a broken heart back in, in November, December, January, I'm sitting here going, God, how do we look at this year correctly? because I don't wanna make this about us. I wanna make this about Christ, but I wanna make the burden about you and I living for a world that needs Jesus because that's what a disciple is supposed to do. That's what we're called to do. And so my hope would be that even as I recap this series, that there's something in you in one of these parts that you go, yeah, that's, there's some tension here in me because I'm not living that out. There's some tension in me because that part isn't happening. And maybe it's where you, 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 you put your place in, you put yourself in a place of surrender that one time years ago. But maybe the light came on, you went, you know what? Yeah, it's meant to be a daily deal. Or maybe for you, we talk about the idea of, of, of letting scripture read us and us reading scripture and going, man, I, I gotta figure out how to make this a habit. And I say daily, and I realize, well, I missed a day here and there. I mean, it's not condemnation. I'm beating ourselves up for it. But it's realizing one of the best habits is to figure out how to make it a daily exercise. You miss a day? Okay, Lord, I missed yesterday, but today here I am again. 
and letting scripture read us. When I talked a little bit about a while ago, the, the writers of scripture, they were writing in concern for the church. And it's little by little those light bulbs coming on through the work of the Holy Spirit coming right alongside the word and going, that's not matching up. Maybe for you, it's some of those things. Maybe for you, it's realizing, boy, I'm not a very good representative. And it's not meant to, to beat us down with it, but it's realizing that we're not shining light like we're supposed to. Or, or maybe when we talk about discipleship, you look at church world and it feels very much like, well, the pastor needs to make disciples because I have no idea how that works. But it's taking upon ourselves, how do I help people get to the place where they're thinking through why Jesus matters in their life? That's how you help make disciples. How do I help people get to the place where they think through why Jesus would matter in their life? Disciples who make disciples. Or it's the need for sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Or it's realizing that, yeah, all kinds of motives, but I'm not sure love is, is the, the driver for me. I don't know what it is for you, but as we end this series, I want to pray. And my hope would be is that you could latch on to something in this series. And I encourage you. At any point, you need to go back and listen to any one of them. We post them online. We put them out. You can grove.church, go to our media, click on any of them. And by the way, I'm not the only one who spoke in this series. If you've been around, you notice Evan spoke. My wife spoke. Aaron spoke last week. Did a great job. Listen to some of these. And maybe rekindle some of the things you heard over the last two months. Because it's a long series that we did this time. But I really, really am deeply convicted that I want to make sure we get this right. To be the church God has called us to be. Because part of our code, we talk about this. We give up things we love for things we love even more. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. God, today... As we think about this series, we think about maybe a couple things that I kind of breezed through a bit today as an overview. My hope would be that something in our heart latches on, that we, we, we would pick up on a certain tension inside of us. Where there, there's an area, I, I, that's probably where I'm weakest. That's probably where I'm not quite getting it. And it's not that we beat ourselves up. It's not that this message is meant to, to, to beat each other up. But that, that, that tension inside of us to go, man, God, I invite you in to help me understand this to help me walk this out because we're not alone. God, we invite your spirit to do this work. We thank you for your grace, your power. We thank you that, God, we're not here to play church, to be a spiritual group of people in a room, but God, we wanna be built up and encouraged here that we can go out every day and live shining the light, repping you to others in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.